uh, welcome, welcome to uh, our Bible study. Thank you for coming out. Uh, we're continuing uh, in Third John, and our text for tonight is just verse eleven. So just uh, one verse, and uh, the big idea of this particular verse uh, is imitation, and uh, that's going to form the focus of our study. So if you could open your Bible, please, uh, to Third John. And I will read all 14 verses. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diostrophes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Amen. Now let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your revelation to us as found in the scriptures. That we believe that the, the Bible uh, is sufficient, we believe that it's necessary, we believe in its power, and we ask that you would help us to be still and quiet in the inner man, help us to be teachable uh, and res responsive uh, as we sit under the, the teaching of your word. Please help me uh, as a teacher. Uh, may I know the filling of the Spirit. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a number of years ago, I was uh, a guest preacher uh, at a church. Uh, at the time, I was the assistant pastor uh, in Lismore, and I hadn't been pastoring uh, for all that long. And as I stood uh, at the door after I preached, several people walked past, and you got the normal pleasant uh, exchanges. Thank you for the message. Thank you. That was, that was really good, and so forth. Uh, but then there was one lady, and she was visually disappointed. And as a younger preacher, my, my heart sank. Uh, it was quite deflating and this dear lady she began to offer her many opinions and uh, this was her critique this was her number one critique uh, Brendan I was disappointed I was like oh I'm sorry but you know as, as I listened to you preach you, you sounded a lot like Peter Mitchell okay that was my boss okay um, your sermon was structured like him and you were very similar and you shouldn't do that okay you, you shouldn't copy him now, as she spoke, I actually felt instant relief because 
Her critique to me was actually a compliment because I rated Peter Mitchell very highly and uh, to be compared to him, I was like, hey, I must be doing something right. Now, I certainly don't believe I'm in the same category as him, uh, but there are similarities between him and me. Why? Well, the answer is imitation. Okay, Pastor Peter was my mentor in the formative years of my ministry life, uh, so he shaped my preaching. Okay, I sat under his preaching, which impacted how I preach. In fact, if you listen, if you read like a, a homiletical book, it will tell you one of the best things to do is to sit under quality preaching. Okay, you sit under quality preaching that will help you be a quality preacher. Okay, so I sat under quality preaching, but he also provided regular feedback on my preaching. Now, I never set out to copy him. It's actually a bad thing for a preacher if you try and copy someone else. You need to find your own voice. And so, you know, that's actually really hard. That actually took me a long, long time. In fact, I, I think I'm almost there, okay, but it's taken probably well over 500 sermons to get there. Okay, but the point that I want to make is that even subconsciously, I ended up imitating Pastor Peter. Okay, and this is because we as human beings are imitators. Okay, this is how we're wired. We mimic others. And it's something that you notice very clearly with children. Okay, I notice it with my children. They will say something or do something and I will think I didn't realize Emma was going to be here tonight man that is Emma through and through of course that's the good things and then when they do the bad things it's like oh man that's me through and through now I do remember uh, with one of our kids they hadn't spoken too many words and we had an unsaved family member in our home uh, and they swore okay first time my baby has ever heard a swear word and guess what come out of their mouth much to my horror okay and that illustrates that we imitate now our proneness to imitation is also seen very clearly in the realm of sport okay I love sport and I remember growing up okay, someone called Benji Marshall okay he was the big thing when I was in high school and when you're playing football, everyone tried to be like Benji Marshall, okay, sidestep like him and do these flick passes. Nobody could, uh, but everyone tried to mimic him. Okay, if you follow cricket, if you went down to a local cricket field right now, I can guarantee you will hear loud cries of not now. And then you'll see these weird mannerisms. And if that makes no sense to you, um, there's a guy called Steve Smith and Manus Labashain, okay, two of Australia's best players. They had these weird idiosyncrasies and everyone tends to copy it. So as humans, we tend to imitate others. And this can be both good and bad depending on who we imitate. And this is a theme that we see in scripture. In fact, this is the whole Christian life. It's about imitation. As Christians, we are called to imitate Christ. Okay, this is sanctification. We are striving to imitate him more and more. But we all have a bent to imitate other human beings. And it's this that the Apostle John addresses in our text. Okay, he's concerned about who Gaius would imitate. And hence we have this exhortation to be careful about who we imitate. Okay, this is the big idea of verse 11, and hence... That will be the topic of our study. We're going to frame our study under three simple headings. They being the command 
the concern behind the command and the challenge of the command. Okay, so let's consider this topic of imitation. Okay, firstly, we see the command. Now, verse 11 commences with the fourth and final use of beloved in this epistle. And to this term of endearment, in this verse, it acts as a transition. So John returns to address Gaius personally, okay, after briefly digressing to confront Diostrophes. Okay, the letter, it, com- it commences by talking to Gaius, then it speaks to Diostrophes, and now it comes back to Gaius. Now, what is significant about this particular instruction to Gaius is that in verse 11, this is the first command and only one of two in this entire epistle. Okay, the verb follow is in the imperative mood, which means it is a command. And it comes from the Greek word mimos, okay, which is where we get our English word mimic. Okay, and follow means to imitate, to pattern oneself after, to resemble, or to mimic. And this exact Greek word, it's only used in three other places in the New Testament. And I'd like to share these references with you. It helps us to understand uh, this term. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 says, For ye selves know how ye ought to follow us. Okay, there's the word. For we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. So here Paul puts himself and his fellow missionaries forward as an example to imitate Okay, so, so their behavior, it, it could be mimicked by the folk in the congregation. The next use is also in the same chapter, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.9. It says, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So here Paul is saying, okay, we, we labored with our own hands not because we didn't have the right to demand support from you okay that they were apostles the church okay should have supported them they could have demanded that but instead of that okay they worked with their hands and they did this in order to be an example to imitate because laziness was an issue in this particular church and then the third reference is hebrews 13 7 which says remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Okay, this particular verse is speaking about pastors, and we as pastors are to have a faith or a walk with God that is worthy of imitation. So the use of this term elsewhere shows that imitating people and behavior is what is in mind. And although that's not stated directly, in our text, it's more of a general statement. Okay, don't follow evil, but follow good. It certainly has people and behavior in mind. So John is instructing Gaius to be wary about who and what he's emulating. And it's instructive that okay, the command here, it doesn't say don't imitate at all. Okay, because that would be impossible. Everybody is an imitator. Okay, it's natural for us to look to other people to model or copy them. Okay, that this is how we're designed, and this can be incredibly beneficial if we have chosen a good model to copy. And this is the Apostle's point. Okay, he challenges Gaius to avoid imitating evil, and then he says, but 
Okay, it's the Greek word Allah. This tells us this is a strong contrast. Okay, don't imitate evil, but imitate good. Now, we could understand this very broadly and generally. Okay, so we should avoid copying those who are characterized by evil and fleshly attitudes and strive to mimic those who are characterized by godly and spiritual attitudes and actions. Okay, so, so there's the general principle. But it seems in this context that, that John is more narrow in his primary meaning. Okay, it seems likely that he has the issue of hospitality being extended to the visiting preachers in mind. Okay, this has been the central theme throughout this epistle. Okay, so refusing to extend hospitality is a form of evil behavior, and receiving them is a form of good behavior. So that seems to be what John has in mind. So try and imagine two different pictures. Okay, so Gaius is taking an art class and he's being taught how to draw. And Gaius is going to draw a picture by copying one of these two pictures. Okay, he has a choice to make. Will he copy from the good picture or will he copy from the evil picture? Okay, he will choose one and hence he needed to choose wisely. And uh, this reveals a lot about us as mankind. Okay, we are prone to imitate others. Okay, that there, there is somebody who has shaped or is shaping who we are and how we act. Okay, the attitudes of others can and does color and change our own. Okay, and this is okay, providing we've chosen the right people to imitate. Okay, good examples will have a positive impact, whereas negative examples will have a corrosive impact. And hence the logic behind the command in the text is that one needs to ensure that good examples are imitated. And we need to understand that okay, this need never ceases. Okay, the verb here is in the present tense, meaning this is a continuous action. It's ongoing. So John exhorts Gaius to persistently pursue emulating good and not evil. And the message to us is that throughout our entire life, we need to continually imitate good and not evil. And this is something that we need to regularly assess in our life. It's a helpful spiritual health check question. Okay? Who am I imitating? Who am I trying to be like? Okay, is that someone who I should be emulating? Because here's an interesting point. You know, we tend to speak to teenagers... And even young adults okay, a lot okay, about the company they keep and who they're aspiring to be like. Okay? And rightly so, that's a particular vulnerability at that stage of life. But the thing is, imitation doesn't cease once you reach 30. Okay? It's not like you reach 30 and that danger disappears. Because Gaius, he's not a teenager. So th this is a word for us for all the days of our lives. Okay, we will be emulating someone. The attitudes and actions of others will be impacting and shaping us. And hence, like Gaius is exhorted, we need to ensure that we are imitating good and not evil. Okay, and here's the thing. We're unlikely to follow good examples unless we avoid bad examples. 
and we're unlikely to avoid bad examples unless we copy good examples. Okay, so we need that balance. Both elements are vital. So that is the command of the text. Let's now consider the concern behind the command. Okay, why did John feel it necessary to give such an exhortation to Gaius? Okay, at the start of this letter, we, we learnt about Gaius, and he seems to be very switched on spiritually. Okay, John speaks very highly of him. He'd been faithful in providing hospitality for the itinerant preachers, even when others had not. Okay, we're told that he was someone who was walking in the truth. Okay, and we discovered that that meant his life was consistent with the gospel. He seems to be a model Christian. And then there's this warning. Okay, it seems slightly unexpected. So what's the rationale behind it? Why did John feel this was necessary? And the answer seems to be that he was concerned about the influence of Diostrophes. Okay, when he says, don't follow after evil, okay, the context informs us of what John has in mind, and that was the behavior of Diostrophes. It's identified in the prior verses. So although evil is not restricted to the behaviors of this man, okay, it's an adjective that's quite broad in scope, but this seems to be the primary point in this particular context. So John is concerned that a man like Diostrophes may have a negative impact on Gaius. Okay, we could say there's some sanctified anxiety that Gaius may be you know, overawed and wrongly influenced by this self-absorbed leader. We read in verse 10 that Diostrophes was going about enforcing his personal views and, and he was rather ruthless with those who refused to conform. Okay, you booted him out of the church. And it's likely that this man was quite eloquent and persuasive so there was a real danger for even a spiritual man like Gaius okay, and this is a good reminder for us that no matter where we're at in our sanctification journey okay, it doesn't matter how much progress we've made we are still susceptible to bad influences and sin in general okay why ever we remain unglorified okay the flesh is still active and although we can overcome it we can have victory over sin there is a real susceptibility that we possess to sin okay we're vulnerable to temptation and we're on very dangerous ground when we think there's no way i'll ever do that again i will never ever be tempted like that okay we can very easily become proud and we need to remember paul's warning in first corinthians 10 Okay, verse 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Okay, and this is calling us to remember that we are vulnerable. Okay, this was true even for someone like Gaius. And it was this concern that prompted the personal counsel from John. He was concerned that Gaius could be influenced by diostrophes and be tempted to do the wrong thing. But the concern of John is magnified in the closing statement of the verse okay the first statement of verse 11 it could stand by itself and it would make the point quite clear it could say you know beloved follow not that which is evil but that which is good okay that's a clear and concise summary of the counsel that john thought was necessary to offer but he doesn't stop there he adds 
He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Yeah, and this really intensifies the concern. And what it's saying is that the one who does good, that is evidence that he belongs to God, whereas the one that is doing evil is giving evidence that they've never seen God. In other words, that they don't belong to God. Okay, the idea being that new birth or conversion will affect one's behavior. Okay, saving faith will change you. As has famously been said, the faith that doesn't change a man hasn't saved a man. Okay, so true saving faith will be proven or it will be evidenced by works. Okay, it's not the works that saves, okay, but the works are the proof of faith. Now a key interpretive point in this verse is that both of the verbs are in the present tense. That means a continuous action. So it's not saying that an unsaved person can never do anything good, nor does it mean a Christian can never do anything evil. But the point is that the Christian's life will be characterized by good and not evil. Okay? There will be spiritual fruit if one is in the Spirit. And if one is doing evil and continually living in that evil, refusing to repent of that evil and not caring about it, it could be that they are not believers. Now this can be quite challenging for us. Um, it can cause us to ask questions and we think, you know, what about the carnal Christian? And often this is hard for us to work through because we've got faces in our mind. Okay? We've got loved ones in our mind. So it makes this quite sensitive. It's a tricky topic. But one point that I want to make, when we read a verse like this, so when we read, say, James chapter 2, okay, faith without works is dead, Okay, we need to remember that you and I cannot determine whether somebody is a believer or not. Okay? We, we don't have that ability. And these passages of Scripture are more for self-reflection. So it's not a call for us to okay, begin inspecting the lives of everybody else. Okay? We're not to become you know, fruit inspectors, okay, but rather look at ourselves. Okay? Examine our own lives. Is there evidence of new life? Am I overcoming sin? Am I becoming more and more like Christ? Is the fruit of the Spirit presence? Is my life more good or more evil? I think self-reflection is the primary intention. And John makes such a statement in the context of imitation because we should be seeking to imitate those who know God. Okay, strive to be imitating those who belong to God, not those who haven't seen God and don't know him. So we are to strive to mimic that which is good because that is of God's. So it is the apostles' concern that Gaius would imitate attitudes and actions that were of God. Okay, and that was not how Diostrophes was behaving. His attitudes, his actions were evil and John didn't want Gaius to go down that path. He was anxious that Gaius could end up imitating the wrong person. So that's the exposition of this verse. It's all about imitation. Yeah, and it's about the concern of John that Gaius would imitate good and not evil, which in this particular situation meant that he would extend hospitality to the itinerant preachers and not ostracize them like the ostrophies. 
So with the meaning of the text expounded, let's move into the third point, our final point, the challenge of the command. And it's here where I'll seek to apply the command. And I want to apply uh, this verse by asking two questions. Okay, question one, who should we imitate? Okay, who are we striving to be like? Okay, who is the person or people we are mimicking? Now, is there somebody who is very successful in your field of expertise and you want to be like them? Now, is there somebody who's very successful in business and you are trying to imitate them? Is there somebody who lives a certain lifestyle and all that you want is that lifestyle? Is there a person that you try and dress like, act like, and talk like? Okay, who is that person or persons in your life? Who are you looking to imitate? Now to change the question just slightly. Who should we imitate? Okay, who should we imitate? Okay, here's some suggested criteria. Okay, there's a number of verses in the New Testament that speaks of imitation or following or being an example. Okay, who should we imitate? Well, imitate those who do good works and are doctrinally straight. Titus 2.7. Imitate those who live a pure life. 1 Timothy 4.12. Imitate those who love and embrace the gospel, even admits great difficulties. 1 Thessalonians 1. 6. Imitate those who work hard. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-9. Imitate those who advance the gospel. Philippians 2.22. Imitate those who care for others. Philippians 2.20. And imitate those in whom you can see Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Okay, if you look up all of those verses, it will mention the idea of imitating or following. Okay, so here's some criteria for us to apply from the Bible. This should help us in determining who we should imitate. Now, when it comes to imitation, there are at least three categories for us to think about. Okay, number one, this is the most important, is Jesus. Okay, he is the one who we are trying to imitate in every area of life. Okay, and he's the perfect one. He's the one worthy of emulation in every way. Okay, so that's like the overarching category. But then there's people in the Bible. Okay, we can learn from both the negative and positive examples in the scriptures. Okay, Romans 15.4 tells us that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And then number three, it's people in our life. Okay, these are the real life examples, the people who we can see. Okay, and the best examples are those who are striving to be like Jesus. So there are some things for us to think about. Who are we striving to imitate? Okay, that is an important spiritual discipline. And the second question I have is, are we imitable? Okay, are we the type of person that others can look to and emulate and that be a positive thing? Are you the type of man that I can tell my boys, be like that man? Are you the type of lady who I can tell my girls, be like that lady? 
Are you somebody, by the grace of God, that's worthy of emulation? Now, none of us are perfect. And Jesus is the ultimate one who is worthy of imitation. But are we striving to imitate Jesus in such a way that we are an imperfect illustration, of course, okay, but we're an illustration of what it looks like to be striving to be more and more like Jesus and hence worthy of imitation. Because here's the thing, in our families, in our churches, and in other spheres, there are people watching. And for most of us, there will be people who imitate us, especially if you have children or grandchildren. Okay? And hence, this is yet more motivation to live for the Lord and by His grace strive to be more like Jesus because there are people who are watching you and trying to be like you. Okay? Imitation is a part of life. Okay? We're all imitators. And may we all be striving to imitate Jesus, to be more and more like Him, May we be people who imitate good rather than evil. And may we be people that others can imitate. Amen. Now let's pray. Our Father, I do thank you for this verse in Third John. No doubt it's one that we probably haven't put too much thought into previously. But I do pray that this would give us something to think about, to meditate on as we go home. And uh, Lord, please help us uh, as believers, uh, with your help, to be uh, becoming uh, more and more like Christ. And uh, Lord, please help us to, to be people uh, who others can look to to emulate. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name.